Cubs and or Sox make the NLCS and lose on a walk-off bomb in Game 7, building great chemistry and creating a chip on the shoulder for the 2024 season, or they miss the playoffs and sign Shohei Otani. <laughs> give me Shohei. <laughs> yeah, give, give me Shohei, for sure. Because opening day next year, we're in the same fucking boat, except in one scenario, we have Shohei Otani. Yeah. Other scenario, we have more emotional damage. So, yeah, definitely scenario B here. Chicago sports podcast there is the funniest Chicago sports podcast there is we're gonna see how many big words I can pronounce today how many times I mess up uh talking about the Cubs and the Sox as always we are joined with Lucas and Larry it's so great to have us three back I wouldn't say as always Will I mean that I missed last episode credit where credit is due you missed a big one it was a very large one maybe the largest news we've had to talk about in history of the round the loop, if we're being completely honest, I can't, yeah. you know, I'll, uh, I'll just catch up and say, I'm really excited to see DJ Moore uh, play for the bears. That about sums, that's, sums up my a, opinion. That sums up our episode too. Yeah. <laughs> in the middle of the episode, David Montgomery did sign with the lions. So it yeah. <laughs> vibes down a little bit. And that's like the third time now. I think maybe only the second time where I've had like groundbreaking, like sad Bears news break in the middle of a podcast. Khalil Mack broke right in the middle of my podcast, him getting traded to the Chargers. That was that was a tough one. Not I still like the trade to this day, but not it was just like, damn, just like a failed era of Chicago Bears football was like on its way out the door. And that's when you really knew the era was over. Khalil Mack lasted a good four seasons in Chicago and yeah that was that but it's it's exciting times now it is officially two days away from opening day when you're listening to this it will be only less than 24 hours away from opening day um guys Cubs socks you know this isn't the MLB podcast this is the Chicago sports podcast where would you say their roster strong suits are? We'll start with the Sox and we'll start with Lucas. I think they have see this it's kind of an umbrella issue with the team. It's an umbrella weakness that like none of them are going to be healthy. Like what we have now is just not at all what the team's going to look like for the majority of the season. So, I'd say under the the healthy umbrella I'd say our rotation's pretty solid. I'd say above average. Uh, they were talking about it on the score today, too. I think, you know, between the two teams, I'd say the Sox have the the deeper, better rotation. Um, I mean, they have a – for the last few years and for really the rest of history, the White Sox have always been a good right-handed hitting team. So that's, again, the core of their team. Um, that's where, you know, they've made a few, few steps in the offseason to pick up. Uh, ben attendee and then Colas is the next Cuban Otani. So we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, I think right-handed hitting is their strong suit. Starting rotation is pretty good. Weaknesses, second base, one more good lefty bat, I'd say. Um, pretty consistent with what it's been the last few years. So yeah. And then, of course, health is just always going to be a weakness. Like they just can never stay healthy. Now, I'm, you know, no, I'm no genius here. Give yourself some credit. But you're looking at your rotation just based off of my MLB, the show knowledge. It doesn't look bad. It does not look bad. Like the potential I feel like is really there. Yeah. We have an ace. Easily could be a Cy Young. Mm -hmm. Lance Lynn, solid pitcher. Giolito, he's lost a lot of weight, you know, per Twitter. (laughs) Yeah. So the classic spring training storyline, best shape of my life. And then Cuck, Coke Peck. <laughs> uh, Nailed it. <laughs> no, that was a dig. That was a cuck dig. That was a cuck dig. 
Kopech uh, and, and Clevenger, not the not the I think I do of the shed, I, but if we're I talking tear, about strictly based off potential, not bad for a four. I tier it more like Cease is in a league of his own in our rotation. Then Lance Land and Giolito, like any given night, they look they could look like their prime self, but at the same time, like Lance Land's getting getting up there in age. Giolito's just not as good as he was. So um, if those guys are able to stay a little bit more consistent, and then Kopech, really more of a wild card, like his stuff could be up there with Ceases as far as best on the staff. It's just hasn't found the consistency um, to this point in his his career, I'd say. And Clevenger, you know, I'm not too excited about him, but he's our number five, and maybe best case scenario, he's not the worst number five in the league. So, Larry, thoughts? You know, I really like the lo- the rotation. Uh, we've kind of hashed that out. I would say the team's strong suit uh, is something that they really didn't play into last year, and I would say that's power hitting. Uh, you look at this lineup. Even without Jose Abreu, what a nice year last year, and that's a huge loss. But, I mean, Tim Anderson, Andrew Vaughn, Yohan Moncada, uh, and then obviously you look at those outfielders with Luis Robert, Oscar Colas now in the mix, Eloy Jimenez. Uh, those are guys that can flat-out mash. And if the White Sox want to win games, they need to hit home runs at a far better clip than they did last year. Being 10th out of 15 in the American League in homers, uh, probably not going to cut it this year. Uh, I think that's a big part of the reason why the White Sox really struggled last year was because they had a manager who maybe his philosophy is a bit behind the times in terms of, you know, maybe we don't want these guys to hit as many home runs. Maybe we want them to be more contact-oriented. Well, when the roster is built to hit home runs, that doesn't exactly work. Uh, so mm-hmm. if the White Sox can really lean into their identity uh, and mash, uh, I think it's going to be a good year. Uh, there are a few question marks definitely in that lineup. I think Yasmani Grandal is one of them. Uh, if he can have a really good year, then I think that would be a huge boon for the White Sox. But if he has another tough year, uh, bad news. It's nice hearing you say that they can mash. It's just got a nice ring to it. Like that's Yeah, hey, that's it's, just, it's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah. Bottom line. But, yeah, I, I love that rotation. Uh, I really agree with what Lucas was saying. And, like, Cease is a tier of his own, man. And as a Cubs fan, tough to see. Tough to see. Uh, but kind of is what it is. And, again, I, I think he needs to have another big year. And the starters in general need to have a big year. Because one of my biggest questions with this team is the back end of the bullpen, uh, especially with Liam Hendricks um, out with cancer, which is, you know, so much more serious than – just any old injury. Uh, Will, I, I see your reaction to that. I don't know. I remember hearing something about <laughs> you that. You were aware. The shock but, uh, brought back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah not great. Um, especially yeah. considering he's also one of the veterans in that locker room and one of those leaders outside of Jose Abreu. So now the White Sox are down. Jose Abreu, Jose Abreu he's not coming back. Liam Hendricks, you know. You just don't know what the deal is there, and you pray for a speedy recovery and hope for the best. But I think leadership is going to be another question that uh, yeah. will be interesting to watch. All right, now let's get to the Cubs. Where would you guys say their strong suit lies, and how is this team going to win ball games? Oh man, Larry, you can yeah, you can take this. Uh, you know, the Cubs are an interesting bunch this year, right? Because you look on paper. And I think you see the names there and you're thinking, I like this roster better than last year's. Then again, last year wasn't a very high bar. Uh, my biggest complaint with this Cubs team is, again, you look at them on paper and this is a bunch that can win games. However, there are going to be some guys that need to have bounce back years if the Cubs are going to want to win. And I think the two guys that I'm specifically thinking of are Cody Bellinger and Eric Hosmer. If one of those two guys can elevate his game back to levels where it was maybe a few years ago, I think that could elevate the club as a whole, especially Cody Bellinger, being that 
you know, he was on an MVP level and completely tanked over the last few years. I mean, it's just incredible. I remember it was 2019. Uh, I went to a Cubs spring training game. That was the last time I went to a Cubs spring training game. And it was Dodgers Cubs and, you know, Cody Bellinger, that was kind of his prime. Right. And then I went to another Cubs spring training game this year. And here's Cody Bellinger playing on the Cubs. And you compare those two guys, 2019 Cody Bellinger versus 2023 Cody Bellinger. It's just incredible. I don't know. I don't even know what happened. I'm not even going to try to analyze it, but it's almost like he got the hitting yips, Uh, but he adds a lot defensively. Uh, Nice pickup for the Cubs, kind of low risk, high reward. Um, But he could really be an X factor. Uh, But to answer the question, uh, honestly, I don't know what this team's foremost strength is. Uh, I could go a similar route and say, uh, hitting for power, but I, I think overall its best attribute is depth. Uh, the Cubs have a wealth of options uh, on the infield. Once Seiya Suzuki comes back, they'll be a little deeper in the outfield. Um, but the fact that David Bodie is starting the year in AAA speaks volumes about how many options the Cubs have on the infield. So when somebody gets hurt on the infield, I won't be as worried. Lucas. Yeah, no, I love the love the analysis from Larry. And I I think what stands out to me is kind of his last point there being the depth in the outfield is what comes to my mind. Um, just looking at it from a non Cubs fan perspective. Um, Ian Happ is like one of the brighter spots with with Dansby Sponson being the other that I, I think of uh, from the team. And then I think of your your farm system being deep in the outfield as well with some of the trades you made from um, you know, the rebuild from the 2016 team. So I think, you know, the window is starting to become more apparent for when the Cubs will be competing with, you know, Brennan Davis, PCA coming up in the next two years for sure. Um, it's pretty clear, like, they're going to be a good defensive team. Already up the middle, they have one of the best combinations uh, between Nico Horner and Dansby Swanson, both now signed with the Cubs for the, at least the next three years. So, you have that lockdown, young, good. Dansby brings some solid power um, to the lineup as well. I think the weaknesses then would be the corner infielders. Um, first base, I don't think, is always the most important position to um, you know, have your, your lineup built around or um, something like that. But you know, third baseman, I don't know if you have your third baseman of the future on your team right now or like your, your World Series winning third baseman, I'd say. Um, so that's just, you know, comes to mind, maybe, uh, just like an MVP type bat. Um, well, I mean, where... Nick Madrigal could be that guy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. He's, he hits the ball a lot. <laughs> he does. Uh, you know, you look at that guy and uh, you don't exactly think third baseman, right? You, you definitely yeah. think second baseman. And that's tough because that signing of Swanson kind of squeezed him out of the picture, but, um, mm-hmm. Like we've been saying, plenty of options. I don't think I don't think the Cubs are are sweating about the third base situation. So yeah, yeah, I would say the biggest question mark is definitely how the outfield's going to perform. Other than Ian Happ, you know, Ian Happ is you know when watching Cubs games, uh, a consistent piece. I'm pretty sure he was an All Star last year. But uh, is set can one say Suzuki stay healthy to kind of live up to this hype? You know. The beginning of the year last year for the through the first month, he was like one of the best players in baseball at the plate. Very, you know, had uh what's the word I'm looking here? Come on, Will. It's not that big of a word. You can think of it. Uh <laughs> no, when you're ah runs. No. Home run. He was uh <laughs> he wasn't swinging at balls. There's like a word for it, you know. <laughs> Basing discipline. Yeah, he was the disciplined batter. Yeah, there we go. That's that wasn't that word. big, Will. I'm I'm kind of disappointed. That's not that big of a word, Will. It's not that big of a word. He was disciplined at the plate. Uh, then kind of just lost that, <laughs> lost that over time, and along with you know him just not being able to stay healthy, and then Cody Bellinger in center field. If those two guys can step up, and you know hopefully Bellinger just gets somewhat back to form, and say Suzuki can step up the. The lineup's not as bad as it really looks. I'm really worried about the rotation, though. Stroman, Steele, Tyone, Drew, Smiley, and uh, 
the new guy, Hayden Wesneski. 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 I know a lot of people are hyped about him. I see Dom on Twitter always hyping up Wesneski. But it just doesn't scream special to me at all. And I'm 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 worried about it. There was I mean, there was a lot of spring training games where the Cubs bats were hot. It felt like they were putting up eight runs, nine runs. I get it, it's spring training, you're going against you know bums, but still the 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 rotation it worries me. Yeah, this lineup is going to have to put up runs, and I think a lot of it might, you know, obviously I went on the whole tangent about, you know, Cody Bellinger, Eric Cosmer, those guys need to produce, but you also look at Dansby Swanson and what he's done over his career. Obviously, he had a career year last year. It'll really be interesting to see how he follows that up. I mean, that was the undisputed best year of his career. 115 OPS plus and played all 162 games. If he can do that again, I think we're looking at a Cubs team that is definitely at least in contention for a wild card, but maybe he comes out and has like a year like he had in 2019 where he only played 127 games and had an OPS plus of 89. And I don't know if the Cubs are a playoff team. I think Dansby Swanson's a really good barometer, especially considering he's, come in off free agent market and now is pretty much it sounds like the undisputed leader of this team so that will be a a fun storyline to watch all right guys the infamous pakoda projections yeah i do think it's interesting like this maybe not crazy a low enough floor but they also could some of these signings and people play out this year you kind of came in really late there. Dude, your, I was... Your audio went... Like, I, I, you had to have been talking for a decent amount of time because your audio just went like... You rifled the things off quicker than Johnny Bravo. <laughs> I am Johnny Bravo. I was already getting started on the Pagoda projections. And you're over here. It'll be really interesting to see you. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> brother! Yeah. I was having some audio brother? issues. We'll we'll just those were some audio issues. We'll call it that. This is not getting it out. Uh, Pagoda projections: White Sox eighty. Well, they said seventy nine and a half and eighty two and a half. I gave them the bump. Gave them the eighty and eighty two, minus one based off of what they did last year. And then the Cubs seventy six and eighty six, only two games up on what they did last year. What are your guys' thoughts on these two teams? Pagoda projections fair. You know, these are very infamous. Everyone's always bitching about these. So <laughs> I'm hoping someone about these. I don't think it's too far off. Like, I think I can definitely see the Cubs winning 76 games. I think that's a fair projection for them. I could see them winning 85, 86, too, and like one of these best-case scenario um, seasons, and maybe not even best-case scenario. I think their ceiling's higher than that, but – I also like to think that I'm expecting the White Sox to finish more than three games above the Cubs. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm gassing up the Sox a little bit too much, but I think that um, their projection should be around 500, which obviously it's what 80, not too far off a game. But I think I think they are a, a 500 team probably until I see otherwise. Yeah, I um. Pretty much agree with the Cubs projection there. I think you're in the neighborhood, 76 games. I mean, if you have a few breakout performances, I think that gets up to near 80. And I think the ceiling is like 84, 83 wins. You know, maybe you're in contention for a wild card there. I strongly disagree with the White Sox projection. You know, you look at those two teams on paper, the biggest difference lies in the starting rotation. Uh, and I, based on rotations alone, I don't think the White Sox are just three wins better than the Cubs. Obviously, circumstances, including the division, you know, those are different. But I really like this White Sox team to have a chance to win upwards of 85 games, especially if that rotation has a good year. And if the guys who, you know, need to perform, perform, I think the White Sox are at least an 83 win team. So that's, that's my stance on it. 
like to hear that. Yeah, I definitely think they have a, a pretty high ceiling too. Like these guys, I don't know. They a lot of them are core still based around highly touted prospects, highly drafted players, and I know that was then. This is now, but I think the ceiling for a lot of these guys is definitely still there for the for the Sox. Yeah. So do you think the Sox can win the division this year? Like, are, what are your, what are your, I wouldn't say think, I would say, what are your expectations for this season? They should be in the race till the very end. Like it should be, I think it's a clear three team race still has been for the past few years between the, the guardians, twins and the Sox. And yeah, there's no reason that they shouldn't be competing till the last month of the season. And uh, they definitely have a chance to win it. I a hundred percent agree. I mean, this is a team where, you know, we mentioned the Cubs window a few minutes ago. Lucas did. This is a White Sox team where the window's kind of been open, uh, but it's kind of closing. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is a team that not only I expect to contend, but really should contend. And uh, you look at the players on this roster, they're not getting any younger uh, with that core. You know, Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert Jr., Yohan Moncada. Who knows uh, where those guys are going to kind of be at in their career in two years. Uh, kind of got to jump on it. I'd really love yeah. to see the White Sox, you know, stay in the hunt. Maybe they're not in first place around the trade deadline, but maybe make a big move at the deadline uh, because this is a team that could use a few deadline moves, I think. But that's July and, and this is March. So I don't know. Uh, bottom line, it should be a playoff team, at least a contender. I agree completely. And my thoughts on the Pagoda projections, I think, yeah, I think it's pretty fair. I would like to say, you know, a signing of Cody Bellinger and Dansby Swanson would make me think that we can win two more games than the lineup that we had last year. But at the same time, it's like, are my expectations really that high? Uh, Bellinger would need to really, really make a step forward. And, you know, like Larry said, Dansby Swanson would have to match a career year what from what he had last year so I, I i actually agree with the projections in some in some sense uh bold predictions for each team one bold prediction uh larry we'll kick it off with you you know for the cubs i'll stick with the boy cody bellinger uh i think he has a huge year uh maybe not mvp levels uh that would be tough but i think he bounces back uh especially with the power numbers you know hits for average a little bit better um, I think Cody Bellinger is going to have a breakout year. Uh, and if he does that a breakout year, it's hard to say that for a former MVP. Uh, but if that does happen, good things will happen for the Cubs and hopefully they will be around 80 games uh, for the White Sox, man. It's uh, it's tough because so much goes back to the expectations, right? Last year we had very high expectations the year before we had very high expectations and ultimately, those expectations have kind of fallen flat. Uh, my bold prediction for the White Sox is that they win the division. I think this is a team on paper that can win the division. They're not universally seen as the best team in the division, especially with Carlos Correa back in Minnesota. Um, but there's no reason in my mind that the White Sox can't be right up there. Lucas? I'll start, I'll start with the Cubs. Bold prediction. I think we're going to see a big deadline move for the Cubs, bringing in a big name. They're going to be buyers. They're going to maybe be off to a hot spring start. Maybe the rest of the division isn't as good as, you know, I don't know what the projections say, but I'm sure the Cardinals and Brewers are are projected a few more wins. So, like I said, they have minor league depth. They're certainly deep in the outfield there. Maybe they move one of those pieces, go pick up a a starting pitcher and make a push for the playoffs uh, this year. Bold, certainly, but I could see it happening. And then I'm going to piggy – yeah, exactly. And I'm going to piggyback off of what I heard Ozzie Guillen say um, as a bold prediction for the White Sox and say that Pedro Grafal is going to win manager of the year. I think one thing, like, you know, on paper, White Sox are good. Yeah, great to see. And, and Larry was mentioning it earlier, but this team really wasn't utilized the best way and I don't know, you can't really utilize the team like they go out there and, and perform, but weren't really going at it with the the right approach from what the team built and what the team's strengths were. And a, a lot of that falls on La Russa, the team not being able to connect with him. They're 
being a clear disconnect between um, La Russa and, you know, the modern game. And I think even if Pedro Grafal were to come in here and make a, a net zero difference, it would still be an improvement from what we had um, with coaching last year. And so, hey, maybe he's actually a good manager. Maybe he does connect with, with the team and we see like a real, you know, 90 win season come from it in large part to his, his managing and, you know, pretty hard to, to boil it down to what actually is managing and what's not um, from like a, a win or loss perspective. But I think if that happens, I could definitely see Grafal uh, taking home the hardware there. I like that. I like that a lot because this is a group that it's very clear they need a strong leader. Uh, let's mm-hmm. just say that. And Tony Larusa, you know, however old he was, not exactly a strong leader. Uh, for that clubhouse. So I'm excited to see what uh, Grafal does. It's so crazy that situation, like literally just any improvement is an improvement. Like when they brought in La Russa, everyone was tweeting about like all the concerns that could come with it and like all the positives and like every single concern, like every single nightmare that could have come true for Sox fans came true. It was just like sad to see with such like a promising group in the city. Like, Oh, he, well, he's a little old. He could be disconnected. He could, like, all of that just came true. And it was like, damn. Like, and they were off to a good start his first year and all that. But just the whole second season disappointment, him literally, like, falling asleep in the dugout was just, like, a nightmare scenario. But I'm going to piggyback off of Larry. I had these written down. So I'm a little pissed that Larry took mine. Cody Bellinger gets back to form. I had my... I had the score, the app, the score. I think it's the best sports app there is. And I had the Cubs, I have the Cubs notifications on. So every score change, pitching change, all that, I get them. And Cody Bellinger's name just seemed to light up all spring long. Uh, I think he gets back to form. And Lucas, for the last few years, has been talking about Luis Robert as a potential MVP candidate, a player who could play up to that potential. And, you know, this team just lost Jose Abreu. They need someone to step up and be a leader. And I think, it's going to be Luis Robert. I think he finally enters himself into the MVP conversation. I'm not going to go bold and say he's going to win MVP. That's like next level bold. Oh, that's that's too bold. <laughs> oh, but he he's he's going to be on the ballot for sure. He's he's entering himself in that into the MVP conversation this like year. That's, that's my bold prediction. I feel like every year, and that's a player I really like uh, on the White Sox as well. Just like Lu- Lucas has always hyped him up from when we were like living together. And, you know, he's had injuries. He's still a phenomenal player and all, but, like, this is the year. Fresh start, new manager. You you lose your franchise leader. Someone's got to step up and be that guy. And I think, you know, he puts that weight on his shoulders and carries it far this year. I like, that. I like to hear that. One, and I was just thinking about this. The Larusa saga now it's starting to feel like I feel like the Cleveland Cavaliers probably felt when they drafted Anthony Bennett number one overall. It's like in the middle of it, you're like, hey, this could still work. <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> like he, he drops, you know, an 11 point game. And you're like, all right, cool. You know, there's something to work with. And then by the time he's in Korea, there, there's the China <laughs> basketball league. Shanghai you're Sharks. Like, yeah, you're like, damn. I've really wasted two years of like this team's core with Tony LaRusso managing it. <laughs> what so, a comp. What is, I did not think it was going to be Bennett. Oh. <laughs> Anthony fucking Bennett. Time to learn. I, don't know, I don't know why that came to mind, but it's like, damn, that actually is a good, good comp. Dude, Twitter is a horrible place. Horrible place. <laughs> but, like, there's nothing funnier than, like, Adrian Wojnarowski, like, tweeting a random player's name. And, like, the for all the comments is, like, time to learn Chinese, buddy. <laughs> like, you're so, I just saw a TikTok yesterday where some girlfriend, I think she has, like, some G League boyfriend or something. She's, like, a uh, boyfriend and en- enters the G League portal again, and like all the comments were like, "Start looking for apartments in Shanghai." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "That's awful." Oh, <laughs> I love it. All right, I think that's gonna wrap up Cub Sox roster breakdown. But don't worry, we got two other teams to cover today, and then I got a fun little. We segment. do. We're gonna talk Bulls. Bulls are back. Shanghai Sox. Bulls are somewhat back. <laughs> Somewhat. 
Pat Bev. Exactly. The Pat Bev effect is here. Isn't it crazy? Like, I, every time someone was like, oh, man, I love, like, whoever, whatever team Pat Bev was playing for, you know, like, a year ago or, like, two years ago. Like, man, I love Pat Bev. He brings such an energy. Like, and I they always thought to myself, like, that guy sucks. Like, are we seriously <laughs> hyping this dude up? Like, they're like, he's such a culture change. He's such a great player. Like, you don't even get it. And I'm like, I don't get it because this dude's awful. I hate it, everything about him. And then finally he comes to your franchise and your franchise starts playing good and he starts getting that crowd hyped up, talking trash, getting in players' heads. And I'm like, okay. Like, this dude's actually pretty cool. Like, yeah. Seven and three since acquiring Patrick Beverly, 10 and six since the All Star break. One game back on the Hawks and Raptors, who currently sit at the eight and nine spot. Three back on the Heat, who sit at the seven spot. We're in 10th, kind of as I expected when looking at the season ahead. You know, I know there was expectations to build off of last year, but Lonzo Ball may never play basketball again. So that's that. Kind of just have to go with it. Have your guys' expectations on the Bulls changed since the acquisition of Patrick Beverly? I got to be honest. As somebody who has watched about a quarter and a half of the Bulls uh, this year live. Quarter of a half of a season or a game? Like a quarter and a half of a game. That's a big difference. Big difference, Larry. Huge, Huge difference. What game? Um, and that was pre-Pat Bev. Uh, I got to say, I was watching that team, and th- they still have those pieces to really be an exciting group. And it's amazing, like you are mentioning, what one player can do. Uh, because I, I really feel like, I mean, just scrolling through Twitter, speaking of Twitter being just a horrible, horrible place to be, it was really like doomsday for the Bulls there, where it was like, oh, Billy Donovan's lost the locker room, you know, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan are feuding. And, you know, it was like, wait a minute, like last year, these two were like the dynamic duo. Uh, So from sort of an outside looking in perspective, it's nice to see a positive buzz around the Bulls. That being said, I just don't know if there's any benefit to the Bulls being just mediocre this year, right? This was a team that was built and sort of expected to to compete. Uh, now with Pat Bev, I mean, they're on the fringe of the playoffs, right? But you sort of think like, oh, if they didn't acquire Pat Bev, then they'd be near the bottom and maybe you're in contention for a solid, you know, lottery pick. I don't know. It's it's a weird spot to be in. So no, my expectations haven't changed. Hopefully, my expectations are exceeded. I think, like Pat, starting off with Pat Bev, never liked him. Not gonna lie, like it is definitely true. Like you just don't like him when you're playing against him. But like, I'm starting to realize the impact that he's had on the Bulls, and it's like he is a difference maker in the fact that like. You can, whatever team he's on, you can trade him from team to team to team, and he's going to change the culture defensively. He's going to bring energy. He's going to bring leadership, you know, questionable leadership at that, but, you know, some sort of of structure there, I guess, and someone to kind of start calling the shots. You can put him on any team, and he's going to bring that to that team, and, and he's impactful in that sense. So, like, why put him on the Bulls? Like, he needs to go do this for a championship team and, like, make an impact there and and help a team go from being good to great. Right now, he's just helping the Bulls go from bad to borderline play-in team, which is another way of saying bad. And so, I don't know. I agree with Larry. Like, this this team still has exciting pieces. Like, these guys are still good basketball players. Zach Levine is still a very good basketball player. DeRozan, Vooch is a good basketball player. But – they're just not, I mean, let's like let's be real about where the team's at. They're not gonna win the championship. They're not gonna win a playoff series, likely. So I don't know. Just I don't have too much excitement over the team right now. And like my expectations are the same in that sense. Like I didn't expect them to be a top team in the East coming into the year. And especially, you know, with what you were mentioning, Will, like Lonzo Ball, he was the most fun part about the team when they were so good. Um, last year and now that's just not you know likely ever going to come back for this team so 
disappointing in that sense. I don't think they're, like I said, good enough to win a playoff series in the East right now. So my expectations are still at that point. My expectations have gone from probably going to lose the play-in game to we can win and get into the playoff series with the way that they've been playing basketball. Like, we can earn a playoff series. This team's not going to work its way up to six, which I guess they only trail by four games. But with seven games remaining, uh, you probably aren't going to work your way into a top six spot and guarantee yourself a playoff spot, a playoff series at least. But I do think that this team can work their way into the eight. They have a big game against the Hawks coming up who are currently the eight. And if you get yourself the eight, that guarantees you two games, win or lose. So if you win, you move, you become automatically the seven seed. And if you lose, you get to play the winner of the nine and ten. So I do think that this team can, you know, get earn themselves a playoff series with the way they've been playing and the way, you know, I've been watching quite a few of their games lately since the acquisition of Patrick Beverly. But, I mean, no, my expectations aren't like, oh, we're going to go out there and stun the Bucks. As fun as that would be and amazing as that would be just because it's the Bucks. I don't have any expectation changes at all. And it's just like I just wish they would have sold at the deadline. I guess it's more fun like now. It's like somewhat enjoyable to watch Bulls basketball again. Like, but this team had a very, very quick peak, and it's so sad to see what happened to Lonzo Ball because he was probably playing the best basketball of his career. I mean, that team was 17-5 and five, sitting up top of the first Eastern Conference when he was playing basketball. And, you know, from out, an, an outsider's perspective looking in, you know, their prop, outsiders are probably like, oh, it was Lonzo Ball. Like, it's not that big of an impact. Like, no, we watched that team, and they were scoring 125 points a game. Lonzo Ball was a great defensive guard. You paired him with Alex, Alex Caruso to come off the bench. Ayo Sumo was playing good basketball. It's just like that team had potential. And looking at it now, it never, never had championship potential as fun as that team was. Um, but I just wish they would have sold at the deadline. I think if you're not striving for a championship, then what are you working towards? Like if you know – if you're if you know that your team cannot win a championship, like you're pretty much just trying to sell tickets at that point. If you're still trying to compete and be good, that's it. Like, cause this team's not gonna win a championship. I told you that before the season. I watched them after they lost Lonzo Ball go like 500 at best. And, you know, it was a competitive series to some aspect with the Bucs. You know, if every game's close, it's somewhat competitive. But if you lose five games, it's not really. Like, I mean, if you lose in five games, it's it's, hey, we need to change. And this team is just, it took a massive step backwards. This team needs an immediate change and quick. I wish we would have traded DeMar DeRozan in the offseason like I asked for it. His value was as high as it's ever been. I'm sorry that you sold a million DeMar DeRozan jerseys last year, Chicago, but you made the money. You're not losing anything off of that. Uh, and at the deadline, you know, I'm sure someone could have picked up the phone and said, hey, you know, DeMar DeRozan could be that extra piece. I mean, fucking Lakers bought everyone. Uh, and the Nikola Vucevic has just, you know, I don't think it's like a loss of a trade, but at the end of the day, it kind of is. He has not been or lived up to his all-star potential in Chicago. We've seen so many flashes of him uh, play phenomenal basketball. And then the next game, he throws a mouthpiece at the ref and has four fouls <laughs> at that time and missed is like two for nine. And like over four from three, and it's just like he has never been able to get consistent. And I think that the only like like the only two pieces that I'm okay with moving forward on this roster right now are Zach Levine, to an extent, but I still think that's a player if you can sell. Why not if you're looking to rebuild? And Patrick Williams, who I think, you know, I saw something on Twitter the other day, and it's like he stopped treating him like the fourth overall pick. He's not going to live up to that hype. He's a really good three and three and D wing. Like he is a really good three and D wing. And uh so what's he know. shooting this year? Probably not. I, don't oh. I I genuinely don't know if he's had a good three point shooting year. I, well uh, no, we'll I get the research he's department like on three it. shots a game. Yeah. But everyone was saying like his three is looking a lot better than it was last year, I guess. I don't know. Let's guess that's Twitter shooting. P, P. Will four has four, a 42%. 42%. But an average of 
like four a game. Let's uh, ten a game. Let's bump that up. Let's get like yeah, he's forty two percent, but he's averaging three and a half shots per game. It's like, come on, dog. Let's yeah. <laughs> let's start taking more shots. And I mean, he's only attempting what eight field goals a game. Like he needs to be doing more. And I think that's why they should have traded Demar Derozan so he can start becoming that player and playing the true three on our roster because he's never once played the true three, I don't think, other than maybe his rookie year where he was playing like 50% of the time. Like he's always been a four and I don't know. It's disappointing. My expectations haven't changed much. Chicago Bears, more exciting things, please. They're staring the number nine pick in the face right now. Pro days and combines are all wrapped up, guys. If you were on the board right now, who are you taking? I guess you would need to know who went eight spots before that. But let's say Tyree Wilson, Jalen Carter, and Will Anderson are all off the board. And all four quarterbacks are well, – let's say Will Levis is still available. Top three quarterbacks are off the board. That's a, that's a difference maker. <clears throat> Staring in the face, Lucas, who are you taking right now? Pick nine. Or what would you do with the pick? Maybe we'll you live. What are you, Larry? I'm huh? alive now. There we go. Did you hear anything I said about the Bears' number nine pick? Yeah, I heard you talking about what do we want to do. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's up to you. I tossed it to you. <laughs> I've been uh, – We got Ryan Poles on the line. Yeah, sorry. I had to make a quick business call. No, I've been running a lot of mock drafts on PFF. You know, not not the most perfect tool, but a, a, definitely a fun one to use as far as like who might be available, who to expect, especially at number nine. I think it, what it boils down to me is if one of those guys who we lost you, Lucas. We see the mouth moving, but we don't hear anything. Mouth is moving. We lost you. Throw the flag. Throw the flag. Nope. Oh, he's back. Oh man, I was I was spitting fucking bars for a you second. You said if there. one of the three, boom, you were just going on a rampage, but we couldn't hear a word coming out of your mouth. Can you hear me now though? Yes. Yeah, we got you now. Run it from the top. Man, you, can't hear us. you can't hear us. Larry, who are you taking at nine? <laughs> I'm taking Peter Skronsky, um, not because that's uh, that's what ESPN's mock draft says, um, but I, I just know that the Bears need O-line. I think that's the foremost investment right now that you need to make. Uh, nothing like a solid Big Ten offensive lineman, Northwestern. That's a nice connection there. Uh, maybe if not uh, Skronsky, then you're going Broderick Jones. Um, but either one of those two, I mean, you, you need an offensive lineman. Give, give me something. Lucas, you back? He is indeed not. Uh, Larry, I'm honestly going to disagree with you on Skaronsky as much as I like. I was I was close on the last name there. I, was... uh, I don't even know if that's 100% correct. <laughs> no, I think it is correct. I think you get, um, you beat me. Yeah, as much as I, you know, like the idea of having the hometown kid, Northwestern kid, uh, Big Ten tackle, I just, I love Paris Johnson. I think he's bigger, he's faster, longer arms. There's a lot of knocks on Peter Skronsky's arms. He's got guard arms. They say he could be a Hall of Fame offensive guard. He could be a decent tackle. That worries me immediately. You know, you look at Paris Johnson, whose pro day was phenomenal. Great speed. I think if you were sitting there at nine and you're taking a tackle, you have to go Paris Johnson, in my eyes. Uh, Skaronsky would even be below Broderick Jones. Now, if we wanted to attempt to go Broderick Jones, I prefer a trade back. And I think that there's only going to be around two scenarios in which there will be a trade back. Maybe three. One, I think, is somebody be coming up for Will Levis at nine. Ryan Poles has been very open about moving back. Don't necessarily need to jump to nine. 
I think the only team that you can worry about after nine potentially taking a quarterback first would be 11, and that would be the Tennessee Titans, uh, who don't necessarily – it's not necessarily a need, but if you're asking me, I'm taking a quarterback or trading up or trading for Lamar or absolutely obliterating my roster and tanking for Caleb Williams. I have a blog out on that about how the Titans need to make a change and now – it's too late but i would say the first team that you'd have to worry about after nine taking quarterback would be the tennessee titans and that's a small worry after that you hit that 16 range of washington you hit that 19 range of tampa bay so that's my first trade scenario is bears moving back to around 16 or nine and that's if will levis is available too is if christian gonzalez goes off the board quicker than expected maybe seven maybe eight teams will start to worry about devon witherspoon especially the Philadelphia Eagles losing plenty of defensive starters. Um, them being right there at 10 teams like Washington, you know, where you have Ron Rivera, a very defensive mastermind who many have them mocking or many mock drafts have them taking a DB at 16. That's a team where you could expect yeah. to come up. Now you're not going to get a haul like you would if they were coming up for a quarterback, but you could easily gain in pick 16 and pick 47 for pick nine. Now, if they're coming up for a quarterback, you know that you can net an next year's first round pick as well on top of that. Um, so I prefer, honestly, a trade back, if not Paris Johnson. Uh, I think at 16, Broderick Jones will undoubtedly be available. And I would love if we moved back to 16 and took Broderick Jones. Um, what I don't want to do at nine is either go a Skaronsky, just I think I th if we took him, I wouldn't be absolutely devastated just because I do think he probably will end up starting at guard uh over the years. I wouldn't mind being right either. I mean that'd be kind of neat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or uh just I don't know. I, as much as I would love another defensive back like Devon Witherspoon who plays with so much power and force and he's quick, he's smart. Like I would love that. I wouldn't mm -hmm. be upset about it. It's like would love would love Illinois on the Bears. Yeah, exactly. Oh man. Been a long time coming. Like you know, last year, I know we got Doug Kramer in like the fifth, but just having a high Illinois uh draft prospect is nice. And but I mean, just as much as I would love it and how our secondary would be complete, I think, like it just doesn't. I mean, I, I'm trusting the process, it just doesn't scream to me smart move. And I know that you know this is a long rebuild and these things take time and there's going to be tackles next year in the draft that they're talking about being generational talents. I'm pretty sure the LSU tackle, I forget his name. They're talking top four or five pick uh, depending on where the bears are picking or Carolina is picking next year. But I think honestly, I would love a move back or Paris Johnson. Other, anything other than that, I'm not going to complain about, but a move back or Paris Johnson, I think is the only route that I feel great about Lucas. I'm back, baby. Glad to have you back. I'm on the hot spot now. Don't fret. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here for the long time. Um, yeah. If none of the defensive studs that we that you know I've attempted to mention um are there, I'm I'm on the same page here with you, Will. Trade back and get an offensive lineman in the mid to late first round. Pick up another pick, hopefully between where we're at in the second now and and uh the first round. Uh, that we get so that'd be great um i think the the heart of this draft or like the you know the the cream here is in that the range between like 15 14 and like 40 i think there's a lot of good starters in that range that if we could pick up multiple picks in exchange for a nine um i'd be happy and, and yeah, I think like you, like you mentioned as well, like I don't want to see us reach necessarily wouldn't love um, Witherspoon or Gonzalez. I think they're both going to be studs. I think Gonzalez just moves like butter. Like he is just, he's so fluid and like, he's just going to be locked down and like stuck like glue on whatever guy he's covering, but it's just not what the bears need, especially if they're taking him at nine or something. It's just, yeah, would not be too thrilled about that. So Let's trade back. Let's pick up a few more picks. Um, if not, I think Paris Johnson's probably where the Bears end up going. I think it's the safest selection, just based off of his yeah. talent, his speed, uh, can come in and 
Uh, I would assume now, you know, Braxton Jones can play either position. If you're going to draft him this high at nine, I would have to think you would maybe start the year off at right tackle. Braxton Jones has been open to moving. Uh, but if you want to get a generation, you want to keep, if he's potentially your generational left tackle, move him to left tackle then. Uh, but Braxton Jones showed a lot last year. But Larry, if you want a Northwestern boy to be in a Chicago Bear uniform, uh, you're going to want it to be Adetomuwa Adeboare. Nice. He's like hey, nailed that one. It that yeah. is how you say there the W is silent in his name. I always pronounced it Adabaware. It's Adabore. Bore. Just bore. the W is silent. It's Adabore. Aditomiwa Adabore, uh athletic freak who is unfortunately just skyrocketing up these draft boards. Uh my mock 2.0 is going to be dropping around the same time as this tomorrow. Uh I have him going pick 31 to Kansas City or reach. But like I said, he was the most athletic edge rusher and defensive lineman in the draft uh, based off of his pro day. He I mean, they're talking if the Bears land him. He's going to be Tommy Harris on crack. And we all know how impactful Tommy Harris was to this franchise. But, yeah, there's a lot of options, I will say, for the Bears draft that I couldn't be mad about. Like, I wouldn't be mad if they did take a DBN. I wouldn't be mad. Now, if we took Bashan Robinson at nine, I'd be like, "What?" Like, there's there would uh, there's there's a lot more s- situations where I'd be like, like Lucas said, not too thrilled, but I wouldn't sit there and be like, "Damn, what the hell?" Like, if we did take Devon Witherspoon, I'd be like, "Holy shit!" Like, our secondary could be the best in football if this guy plays out. But there just seems to be more needs, and I'm just trying to look at it from an aspect of this is a long rebuild; these things take time. If he doesn't believe that this player is going to be our generational. Uh, if this dude doesn't, if, if Ryan Poles does not believe that he can find a right tackle that's going to be playing Chicago Bears football for 10 years, then who am I to say, like, who the hell am I to be like, yeah. you're wrong? Bottom line. Pretty my much. concerns, my concerns are like, if the the guy who's generally considered like the most well-rounded, pro-ready, safest pick also has short arm condition where he can't actually be a tackle then like how good is this offensive lineman class really and if we're not really sold 100 percent on even if paris johnson's the number one offensive tackle then i would hate the scenario to play out where we take him at nine don't pick up any additional draft assets he ends up being the third or fourth best tackle overall out of this class and it's like damn really wish we would have taken two shots at that instead of just staying at nine. And I think, I don't know. I, I don't think that that's going to play out. I think that would be worst case scenario. Um, I don't think that that's how it's going to happen because, you know, we were already starting to hear today that number nine's on the, on the chopping block here on the, the table to be traded. So um, I believe that I think when we hear smoke or when we see smoke, there's, there's fire. And that's been the case with uh, Ryan Poles so far. So, um, yeah, hopefully this this trade actually does happen, and that'd be best case scenario and what I'd prefer to see. So hell, it sounds like it might actually happen. Move back, get all the fucking yeah. picks before now in sixty four. Literally, like if you're taking, if you're telling me that we can't come away with a starting left tackle at five swing or starting tackle at five swings between now and sixty four, like yeah. move back. I think Roderick Jones could be a very good football player in this draft, and I think if you move back and you get him in that mid to late round you know you also have like dewan jones out of ohio state who's more of a project piece there's tackles in this draft and if you can take a couple i mean who's who the hell am i to say it's dumb to take two tackles with your first if you move back and you have five picks between now and 64 and you take two tackles who the hell am i to say you're wrong you know if you got braxton jones and two other dudes fighting for two spots like hey that's two you're up and yeah. if one of those guys turns out not to be the best two, hey, as long as Justin Fields is healthy and he can have time to throw the ball to DJ Moore, fine by me. That's the my I could care less if our defensive line sucks another year. Like, just keep my boy healthy. Keep him healthy. Let him sling that rock. And that's that's all I ask out of this team. Because I'm not expecting a Super Bowl. I know I'm not even expecting a playoff run, you know, I'd be ecstatic if this team was even ta- in the wild card hunt. Come, you had you had a hard time saying that. I, I could tell. <laughs> like, 
Like, I'm a dude who's an optimistic guy. Like, I'm going to be very happy if we win nine football games this year. I am. Like, if we win nine or ten football games this year, that means Justin Fields, in my head, takes a massive step forward. And, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to the season. I'm looking forward to the draft 30 days away. I mean, it's it, – the days are the days are flying by. I'm so ready for it. I haven't been this ready for a Bears draft in a very long time. A special segment to end us off, a little game of Chicago Would You Rather. <laughs> There's going to be three scenarios I'm going to give you guys total. You have to pick one. Ready? I'm ready. Cubs and or Sox make the NLCS and lose on a walk-off bomb in Game 7, building great chemistry and creating a chip on the shoulder for the 2024 season or they miss the playoffs and sign Shohei Otani. <laughs> give me Shohei. <laughs> yeah, give, give me Shohei, for sure. Because opening day next year, we're in the same fucking boat, except in one scenario, we have Shohei Otani. Yeah. Other scenario, we have more emotional damage. So, yeah, definitely scenario B here. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you guys on that one. Shay, I mean, we're talking about potentially the greatest baseball player of our lifetimes right here, and – yeah, I would take that any day of the week. I don't give a shit about an LCS game seven. I already got a World Series and a couple LCSs under my belt. I will I will be okay with Shohei Otani because I think, obviously, that puts the Cubs closer to a World Series than game seven of a World <laughs> Game seven of an NLCS might do it, actually. All right. Option number two. Chicago gains a second NFL team or the White Sox move to Nashville. What the fuck? <laughs> I want either of these. Yeah, I would literally probably harm myself in both of these scenarios. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta pick one. I would say Chicago gets a second NFL team. I would never respect any of those fans, though. Like, I'm yeah, fine with uh, that. I would, I would not want the White Sox to move. I'll go second Second NFL team, and I hope they fail miserably. Yeah. Yeah, of course you're going to say that, Will. (laughs) (laughs) You don't get to pick in these scenarios. You made them, right? (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say White Sox move to Nashville. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I I bet you are. (laughs) Honestly, if the Cubs – if it was the Cubs, I would be like – like, I I would – I couldn't – I know that if it's in a 75-mile radius, Chicago, the Bears have every right to block it. So that's, I don't think it's anything that we're even going to have to worry about, even if they do move to Arlington. But, oh, my gosh, imagine the people. There would be so many idiots jump ship. There would probably be a few of our friends that would, like, jump ship and go cheer for them. Oh, my God, I'd spit on all their faces. <laughs> every ounce of respect I have in my body, gone. Rip out their eye sockets, piss in their skulls, like all of that. Like, I could not even (laughs) imagine having to deal with that. But, yeah, that was a tough one. Come on, I had to throw an awful one in there. You can't just have all the fun. Like, you got to have a bad one. All right. I guess so. Last and final scenario. All of these have had to do with the baseball teams because baseball season kicks off tomorrow. Uh, Cubs, Sox finally clash in the World Series or the Bears win the Super Bowl. I don't know. I guess this is. I mean, this, this is, is the one thing that Chicago... really the White Sox win the World Series or the Bears win the Super Bowl. No, I'd say probably the Bears Super Bowl. I've, both of our lifetimes, whether whether you know this or not, we've actually both experienced a, a World Series for our team. So Super Bowl is not something I can say the same for. Uh, I think the Bears Bears Super Bowl would mean more. Yeah, one was not potty trained and one was driving a car. But oh, I, mean, I was I was wiping my own ass yeah. at five. <laughs> Man, I'll uh, Larry, the baseball historian. <laughs> You're a Marlins fan, buddy, dude. As a uh, <laughs> as a huge baseball guy, I think a Chicago World Series would be. I mean. You look big picture and what that would do for just Chicago baseball in general and the game. I think it would work wonders. 
That being said, I'm going to go with Super Bowl. Yeah, <laughs> um, I just, uh, I don't know, thirsty for it. Uh, it's well overdue for one of the best franchises in football, I think. I will say, though, like I'd rather see a White Sox-Cubs World Series than the Bulls win a championship. Like, personally, I think even, you know, Maybe I wouldn't feel that way if the White Sox like got swept, but like even to say that I saw White Sox Cubs World Series, like I bet that'll never happen again. But I bet in the next hopefully sixty years of my life, the Bulls have a pretty good shot at winning another championship. True. So are you saying as if like neither of these options ever happen in our lifetimes then? Or are you given the potential? No, I think they're equally likely to happen as they are equally likely. Yeah, that's we'll go with it. Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's a very <laughs> slim. No, I'm saying like, like the odds of this happening moving forward are equal to the odds of them happening this year. Like, pretty damn slim. Like, it's ah. probably not going to happen. But I think the Bulls winning a championship is more likely to happen again than the White Sox and the Cubs meeting in the World Series. I think statistically speaking, that's probably true. I don't know. That's tough for me. Like, I think that'd be cool. And it's, I feel like, you know, I always, that's why I asked the question. I feel like I always hear like on Chicago sports radio, all the Chicago sports talking heads are like a Cubs White Sox World Series. That's all I pray for in my life. And I'm like, really? <laughs> like, I mean, I, it's, it would be awesome. Like Larry said, it would have a massive impact on the city. Just, I don't know. I mean, I've also never seen the Bulls win one. You know, the Cubs and Sox have both won one in my lifetime. Like, dude, seeing the Bulls win one would be. I, I mean, I'm not even a huge NBA fan or a Bulls fan, but just after watching The Last Dance. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that'd be so awesome. Yeah, that's true. I mean, undoubtedly, like, the Bears are my team. Like, all of these teams are my team, but like, the Bears are my team. And, the I think a Super Bowl would like I'm on some like Kevin Gage some Kevin Gage shit like you ever see that video of Kevin Gage talking like about how he's like I, I started a, a car with my hands like he was like did something with the engine with his hands and he somebody was like oh you're a liar and he's like if I'm lying may God kill my children like <laughs> <laughs> He's like, don't, like the reporter was like, don't say that. He goes, if I'm mine, they got to kill my children. Like, not kill my children for a Bears Super Bowl type deal, but like, my life would be exponentially. You'd kill your children for a Super Bowl. <laughs> no, maybe the third one. But Bird off scene. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It's already happened. Ah, but just I don't know. Like there was, I if, if the Bears won the Super Bowl, especially in like a lifetime of where I could, you know, experience that with my pops and like my friends, like my life would be complete. I would crumble into a million pieces. I would cry for four days straight, just tears of joy. Like I cried when the Cubs won the World Series, and I'm an emotional guy. I would probably cry every time I see a lick of Justin Fields holding that trophy. Like tears would start rolling <laughs> on my face. All it would take is a picture of him holding that trophy, and I would cry. Ah, but yeah, I would, no matter what the scenario is, you could tell me that the Cubs will win six straight and I'm going to pick a Bears Super Bowl. Like I'm I was gonna... just going to ask, like two Cubs World Series or one Bears Super Bowl back-to-back years? Someone asked me, would you swap two of the Hawks, three Cups for a Bears Super Bowl? And I'd do it in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. You could oh, maybe yeah. even ask me all three of those Cups and for a Bears Super Bowl, and I'd probably debate that heavily is that was a fun 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 time of my life a great seven years of my life where that's really all there was in Chicago other than you know the Cubs World Series in 2016 but that's kind of all and we're, we're very lucky I feel like as fans you know to be this young and already have four uh rings under each of our belts as fans but I just think like uh the Bears to me are above the rest and I think that this city is a bear city through and through like, I just think that would 100%. I, just, I don't think there's a scenario in which you could give me in the Bears never win a Super Bowl in my lifetime where I would agree to that. The Like, all three of the other teams could never win a championship again in my life if I get one Bears Super Bowl. And I'd be okay with that. I would. I would totally be okay with that. 
which is crazy and sad to say because once that happens i'm living miserable for the rest of my life like knowing no chance that i ever happen that happens again but that's just like that's it like that's all i need in life and i'm oh good to die it's literally what you live for it is it is all i live for i have no life <laughs> right, i meant that generally speaking not like you in in particular like this is no, what i could die for. yeah that's fine <laughs> oh never a dull moment with you boys talking chicago sports gotta love it you're hypothetical not, all these I would championships not, I would not wish my kids to die, by the way. I, I, disclaimer. <laughs> disclaimer. Will is legally obliged to say this. <laughs> we just got word <laughs> that I have to disclaim this. You know, it's all a joke. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of Around the Loop. I'm sure we'll be coming to you guys soon with a little another draft episode. Maybe Bulls playoff episode and uh, see how the Cubs and Sox doing through through uh, first few weeks of the season. 